This, this, this is a Tape Deck Podcast. Far reaches of cinema, three daring adventurers dive deep into the Criterion and beyond. These are the tales of their adventures. This is Cynonauts! Hey, this is Ian. I'm Boom. This is Catcher. And welcome to another episode. We actually missed our big 30th episode. I know. So I know. This is, our, this is our 31st episode uh, of Synonauts Exploring the Criterion. This is a very special episode. Uh, we're, we're taping here on Sunday. On a Sunday afternoon. afternoon. Yes. On a Sunday afternoon, right? I kind of love because, this. Yeah, it's kind of a nice vibe. Because we know. have a very special guest joining us from across the pond. <laughs> Jordan McGrath. He is a... He's the co-host of the His Film, Her Movie podcast, Jordan McGrath. Jordan, welcome to Synonauts. Thank you for hanging out with us today. Thank you for having me. I'm absolutely buzzed to be here. <laughs> Sweet. And uh, for, obviously people can't see, but Jordan is rocking a very cool uh, Mifuni shirt designed by Film Hags' own Mel Mendez. Yes. He's come repping uh, the crew right away. <laughs> yeah. It was very, very exciting. You look cool. I love it. I have the very same shirt and I always feel cool when I'm wearing it because Mel is so talented and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so Jordan, talk to us. For those who haven't heard his film, her movie, I mean, we talked about it a little bit at the end of last episode, uh, but why don't you talk to us about uh, what the podcast is all about? Well, it's a podcast that I actually started with my wife. Um, I'm, I come from a history of podcasts. I mean, my first podcast ages back to 2007. Um, wow. which I used to have with a couple of friends of mine. And I am a huge cinephile. My wife loves movies. And whereas I am a bit more, I say, let's be a little bit arty-farty, where my wife is normally just a normal <laughs> cinema goer. So what, the way we, what we wanted to do it was I can pick some more films that she may not even know of or may not have heard of, and then she would have her taste. So we get the two different tastes. For example, I nice. made it through Stalker a couple of weeks ago. Andrei mm. Tovkovsky. Oh, wow. So that's like, what, maybe 180 minutes of Russian cinema? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so some people may say that's kind of terrible as me of a husband, but it didn't go down terribly, so that's all right. Yeah, oh, thank good. goodness. That's a blessing. That's, that's a blessing. when it turns out well. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and so each week, uh, you two, like, you, you talk about two movies each week and like each one kind of has a theme. Um, like recently you had like Kick-Ass Females where you actually did both volumes of Kill Bill. How do you choose like what theme of the week or of the episode you two are like going to discuss for, for the movie? I would love to say that was it was planned out, but it's generally is maybe a couple of weeks in advance. We'll just say about okay, what's the topic going to be of that week and we'll, we'll plan mm. them out. Like we've got an episode coming out next Monday and we're doing the courtroom drama. So... Ooh. It sees whatever tickles our fancy, really. Nice. I mean, again, like a huge spread of, of films. And you kind of tease like Stalker could have been like a mistake, but it went well. Were there any where it was just like 
this was a mistake. (laughs) (laughs) This is not the right movie to choose. Our first ever episode, our our topic was the best first date movie. Okay. I mean, my wife chose train spotting because she's a lunatic. And I chose, (laughs) which I thought... I thought it was going to be a great choice. And I chose before um, Sunrise, the first film of the mm. Richard Linklater oh, wow. trilogy. I was like, do you know what? That's a really nice pick. It, it, it's interesting. And she just could not get on with it whatsoever. She thought <laughs> Ethan Hawke was obnoxious. She didn't like Judy yes. Delpy. It was just sort of like, you just found it kind of be a bit up itself. So as a first episode yeah. goes, there was conflict. That's the best thing you could have for a podcast is some trauma, I think. I'm on her side with uh, Before Sunrise, for sure. I watched it semi-recently and I was like, oof, maybe if I was watching this 20 years ago, I'd be down. But Ethan Hawke, get out of here. Oh, no. (laughs) Uh, I was actually just talking to one of my friends about this the other day. Like, do, do either of you or any of you have like this movie where it's like, this is your barometer. Like if you're kind of dating someone or like even just you have your friends and you sort of have like this movie, like if you watch this movie and you like it, like we'll get on swimmingly. Do, do, do any of you have some sort of a movie like that where it's like, this is, this is my test. Ooh. I, I don't know if, I don't know if I have one in particular. I've never, but, I've uh, never felt like if, if that was the barometer of like, yeah. yeah someone has to like all the movies that I like it's like especially the ones I love yeah. the most like the pool of people would be so small that like there's no point in even forcing that on them I'm just like hey this is on and if you'd like to join right. that's fine but otherwise it's, I'm cool to do this on my own this is a journey I can do solo if necessary sure Kedger yeah. didn't you share lately that like you were supposed to go to see Star Trek on a date but you instead went to go see it by yourself because like you didn't yeah. want your dates like date to like influence your experience with it yes. at all that's, that's, what, that's 150% true uh, so that's like the re- that's like the reverse it's like it's so yeah. important to you you don't want someone hope, to like ruin I hope rate. she never hears this because she never knew like ever that that oh. ever happened but it's okay wow it's, I'm putting your business in the streets today I, it's yeah. fine um, yeah I, it, I was a big fan of Star Trek growing up it was like a thing me and my dad yeah. connected on and so when the mm-hmm. movie was coming out I was really hyped for it and we had made plans, and I just remember being like, if I have to be asked, like, a single question <laughs> yeah. during the movie, and it's not a bad thing. I respect that she would yeah, need right. that. Yeah, right. You want to experience but it, But right. I'm not – I don't need that on this viewing. I won't, And at the time, I was really understanding how much I loved, like, the film-going experience, like, in the theater and how important that was. So I was like, I don't want any distractions. Uh, and mm-hmm. it was the right choice. Well, it, it, it's like we, we talked about The Lighthouse, I think, last week or two weeks yeah. ago. And – uh, it's like when that movie was coming out, obviously I was like super hyped for it. And I just knew Tara was like, this uh, wasn't yeah. her. And so I, I like, I was like, just don't, e- I know you're not going to want to watch this. Like, just don't even come because I knew if she had come with me, it would have been like the whole time I would have kind of been like checking to see like <laughs> yeah. how annoyed she was that I was making her sit through this like massacre of a film. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, it is maybe like the reverse a little bit there. You learned so. your lesson after you made her go see Mother. Mother, yeah, that was that was a big mistake, but yeah, lesson learned there. Um, so so uh, your your podcast, Jordan, that comes out every Monday, right? Mondays, yeah, Mondays. Generally, Mondays, Tuesdays. We uh we should be a bit more professional and try and get it, get it to a day, 
But sure. Split is between Monday and Tuesday, but start of the week. Nice, yeah. And and there's like 60 episodes, so folks who haven't listened, you could tune into one and you can just like go through Absolutely. the catalog. Yeah. Just an insane amount of movies. So make sure uh, you go check fun. that out. We might... Yeah, we might need to get uh, Lauren, your your wife and co-host, on on an episode of Synonymous. Oh my god, yes! Just get, <laughs> yeah. just get both both sides of the coin yeah. all in one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I just want to quickly and, uh, say thank you for covering the skin I live in, which is a movie that I absolutely, absolutely love. That episode was so good. So thank you for spreading the word for that movie because it's awesome. And I'm trying. I'm gonna force them to watch it at some point. I'm gonna find any excuse I can to <laughs> slip it into the show at some point. Any excuse yeah. to watch any Almodovar. Any excuse. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and before we get to the movie that that uh, Jordan picked today, which is John Travolta and uh, Brian De Palma's Blowout, which I really, really enjoyed, uh, let, let's catch up just a little bit. So what's like the one thing you all watched this week that you would like to chat? Jordan, let's start with you. Well, I, I went to the cinema on Friday evening nice. to watch nice. to watch the prequel. What was that like? <laughs> it was an experience. Um, very empty, <laughs> but... Even though terrible, terrible for business, but good for viewing. Um, yeah. But I, yes. I went and watched the prequel nobody asked for, Cruella. Oh, um, oh. how was that? I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> yeah, directed, it. directed by Craig Gillespie of I, Tonya mm-hmm. and Lars and the Real Girl fame. And you know what? It's a bit of a strange one because it shouldn't exist. And mm-hmm. yeah. But I, I, I kind of like that it does because overall, right. it's a singular story. It works. I, I enjoyed the journey. I enjoyed the performances. Emma Stone is, is superb in the role, but Emma Thompson shines everybody off the screen. Mm, I just mm-hmm. adore that woman. She has the ability to be such a charismatic, evil presence. It, it is great. Mm. But for me, it's like the performance, uh, the costumes are just incredible. There's, I mean, there's a few moments that are properly catch your breath moments with some of the costumes and that deconstructed punk fashion that vivian westwood styling and the mm. way gorillas dressed it's brilliant but one yeah. thing that doesn't work well and i've seen it mentioned in other places is the needle drops mm. they just oh, agreed so overly obvious and they've been used yeah. in better ways in better movies and like for Absolutely. example i could write an essay on the final song choice of this movie um and the, the the title of the song I won't spoil, but it really amps up that idea of what Disney trying to do with like recontextualizing these characters. Mm. Um, and right. it's so blatant, it's so odd. Um, because it doesn't have to be a Cruella Deville film. The only thing that makes it a Cruella Deville film is that hairstyle. Otherwise, yeah. and I, so I love the conflict. I love the idea of a young fashion designer trying to change the. Um, the system and and that um, oppressive nature of of style, but yeah, it's it, it's a strange one. I don't know why they had to make it Corel Deville because it could have really existed perfectly on its own. What did you th- think of the uh, CG Dalmatians? So they they are they are bad, but for me, it's it's <laughs> it's, 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 it's the CG puppy at the beginning. Because it's just oh, so yeah. obviously where when he oh, actually goes yeah. to a real dog, it's it has yeah. character, but it's just so lifeless in the eyes. It's it's sad because yeah. you know they've got that Disney money. It's like you could have made that work, guys. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We all saw Lion King. Those things look pretty pretty yeah. real. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Based on both of your viewings, well, Boom as well. 
Mm -hmm. Are you, would you rather see them just like how some of the remakes have been like actual, just straight remakes. And this one seems to be more of like a taking a nostalgic material, but doing something somewhat original. Would you prefer them go like which path feels better in the, in the movies that you've seen? I think like the reimagining is more interesting to me because I'm so conditioned and in love with like all the Disney classics so all the remakes that they're coming up with, unfortunately, just seem like they're falling short a little bit. Um, like I've yet to see one that I'm like, wow, this is amazing. Um, mm-hmm. And there's always so much. Pro- I always get tricked. Like, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, this is going to be the one, yeah. but it just like never is. This is it. <laughs> and I like the prequels kind of like like the villain stories or like the reimagining of kind of like these like nostalgic characters is interesting to me I also haven't found one yet that like is amazing I thought Maleficent was like okay but Mm -hmm. I think there's like more potential there to like have something really special like happen um so and yeah Yeah. I think I I really enjoyed the Aladdin remake I mean I know many people Mm. didn't but I actually found the energy of it I really enjoyed however these original stories I, I like them as movies, but as part of canon, it just doesn't mm. go. Um, and you, you're trying to fit a square in a circle hole, and right. it, it just doesn't feel right. And, and that, that's a very yeah, right. sort of, I think, maybe a, a persnickety way of thinking of it. But yeah, it, that character could never turn into the Corel Deville that we have seen in 101 Dalmatians. Yeah, who, who like skins dogs yeah. and like wears them. <laughs> yeah. Right, yeah. 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 Big, big villain energy is, is murdering puppies for, for jackets. Yeah, so. 1960s Disney. Edgy. <laughs> uh, boom, what did you watch? Um, so I also watched Cruella. Um, mm-hmm. But I also watched Moonstruck for the first time. I've nice. never a seen it. Share action. A little share action. And like I'd never mm-hmm. seen it before. Um, Mel loves it, so she's like been uh suggesting it for a while. And I finally put it on because I just wanted like a chill like rom com to watch. And it definitely like wasn't chill, but it was so awesome. <laughs> yeah. Like, and it was like the strangest rom com I've ever seen because everything that's Everything that's happening, like, definitely falls into, like, like a rom-com formula. But the characters are just, like, so quirky and strange. Um, and then you have Nicol- Nicolas Cage, like, being given an opportunity to just, like, cage out. And he does. Yeah. And <laughs> with his, like, half hand or whatever. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And the chemistry is great. And, like, Cher is just, like, kind of mesmerizing, to be honest. Like, she's beautiful but she's like hilarious and she just does the character so well so if anybody has made like me has made it to 2021 and never seen moonstruck you should absolutely watch it Cher won the oscar mm-hmm. for her performance in that yeah you know, lots of a lot of love and that's in the criterion isn't it it is uh, yeah in moonstruck yeah i can yeah. see why yeah nice uh catcher what about you uh a bunch of stuff i just a heads up to any of the listeners. I finished Mayor of Easttown. Oh, oh wow. baby. All in one night. That is I'm a I sicko. saw that on Twitter. I'm a sick man, and it was very good. It, we'll talk about it at <laughs> another time. Um, yeah. Yeah. The only other thing I want to talk about is a show on Netflix. I'm only two episodes in. Uh, 
I just started it this afternoon, actually. And uh, I've never once shed tears watching a cooking show or like a food-related Netflix show until this afternoon. Um, (laughs) It's called High on the Hog. (laughs) And I know it's a book. Again with the hogs. Uh, It's basically um, a food writer, uh, ex-sommelier. It's a travel series. uh, And the first episode, it basically uh, tracks uh, the influence of West African cuisine on American cuisine. And in turn, how like uh, uh, African-American cuisine is sort of like influenced food through like, you know, through the existence of the country. Um, and the first episode, he goes back to a city called Benin or, or a country called Benin, Benin, something like that. And it's like the mm-hmm. uh, country with which like the slaves have left, left, left through Africa to come to North America. And he goes there mm-hmm. and travels and eats food with the people and goes to markets and finds all these amazing people. And it's just a really, the first episode left me crying because it's like something of Food is like an important part of like my family. I think that's the case for all families, but like in my family, it's really important a way of, that we sort of like come together is always through food and show love through mm-hmm. food. And it was amazing that this experience that this guy had to go back to sort of like where his ancestors came from and connect with the food of those people and to realize that the food that he eats regularly on a Sunday afternoon when he was growing up was so highly in, uh, influenced by the food mm. of these regions and of these people and his mm-hmm. like ability to just connect with a past that he didn't know as much about and is finding that connection is like the yeah. most moving thing ever. Uh, and so the next episode he's in Georgia and learning about like this very specific kind of uh, cooking style there. And it, there's a few more episodes mm. left, but if you like food, uh, this is the show for oh, you. Do I ever. But, you know, (laughs) if you also want a little bit of like an emotional journey, too. And I think, boom, we were talking a little bit about Underground Railroad and uh, slavery tropes. And I think what's really nice about this show is it embraces that history, but also expands upon that. And really seeing the passion for food and the kinds of styles and and spices and, and how that connects all people is like it's a much more interesting narrative that still gives you the context. So. High on That's the amazing. Hog. You will yeah. love it. Yeah. You really just sold that. Thank you. Mm. Like never even you heard did. of it, but I'm like so excited I, to I just watch it. I heard about it briefly. Like, you know, when Netflix is like stuff coming in a few weeks from now. And I was like, oh, that's kind yeah. of interesting. And I connected with it much more than I was even expecting. So, yeah. That's amazing. High on the Hog. Check it out on Netflix. Ian, nice, would, nice. You, would you get up to? Man, I really like didn't. I'm still like just watching like only NBA playoff basketball right now. So <laughs> I've just live been, your like, life watching a bunch of that uh, because it is like really good right now. There's like a lot of good like storylines and all sort of stuff happening. Ooh. So I've been watching a lot of that. Uh, but I guess the only thing I could talk about from like even like like last week was I just like randomly like we just threw on Revenge of the Sith, just episode three. I nice. love that movie so much. That movie's so good. Uh, it used to be my favorite. It's like top top three. I would play like top three Star Wars for me, like oh. of the Skywalker canon, which is like a bold could be a bold statement, but I love that movie. So that that's that's really kind of it. Otherwise, nice. Just NBA playoff basketball and a little film called Blowout. 
Which uh, is what we're going to be talking about, which is, again, this is a pick from Jordan. He reached out and we're like, okay, what movie do you want to watch? You pick this. This is, uh, again, this is from 1981. Uh, It is directed by the great Brian De Palma, uh, starring John Travolta, Nancy Allen, and John Lithgow, who somehow looks the exact same. Yeah. Like, John Lithgow just became the age he's at right now, like, back in 1980, and just, like, never... Stayed there. Never got older. He just, like, got old really fast and just, like, stayed that age, which is, like, bizarre. Um, But uh, the the plot line is uh, John Travolta plays a guy named Jack Terry, and he is a Foley artist or a a sound recorder for films. And he basically is out getting some audio captures and he witnesses a car crash, um, a car crash in a river. And uh, it turns out the person who died in the car crash is actually like, like he was the shoe in for like the next president of the United States. It turns out that he believes it, it it was actually like an assassination attempt. And the rest of the movie is about him um, and uh, him trying to sort of figure out what happened and if he can sort of break the story of uh, what actually happened. Um, yeah, so Jordan, uh, thank you for taking the time to take us on a little journey uh, for, for, for this one. So uh, if you wouldn't mind taking it away, please, where are you taking us? Let's jump into our time machines. I'm taking you back to 1979, and mm-hmm. Brian De Palma is in post-production, mixing the audio on his latest film, Dress to Kill, with his sound designer, Dan Sable. And he's not a happy man. He's just heard a wind effect that's rather familiar. In fact, it's the same wind effect that's been in his last four films. So mm-hmm. as a grumpy director, he gets Dan Sable to go out and record some new sound effects. But then something starts to percolate in his mind. He's, Brian De Palma has been a GFK assassination nut since the events at Daily Plaza. And he's always at want to explore that kind of event and that paranoia which comes from that in a movie. And he remembers the photographs of the Zapruder film, which were published mm-hmm. at the time. Uh, and it hits him. It, it, he wants to make a murder mystery that is uncovered by the process of making a film by taking separate video and audio and where only together can you solve the crime. And... De Palma's got a blueprint. He's a fan of Michelangelo Antonioni's seminal 1996 film, Blow Up, and his friend and peers, Francis Ford Coppola's A Conversation, and he wants to bring his own variant and that Hitchcockian style that he has um, to the well-mined plot of the paranoia picture. And as one of the main directors of the new Hollywood movement, I mean, his best mates with Scorsese, Coppola, Lucas Spielberg, they grew up together um, with university and things like that. And he may not have had the career of those filmmakers, although I'd actually argue the fact that he's made more good movies than Coppola and Lucas, uh, but he's never made mm. something as good as The Godfather, The Conversation or Apocalypse Now. And he, right. he's never had that acclaim uh, Because he exists very much on the outside or on the boundaries of the studio system, Um, which uh, it's a shame but a blessing for him because he's always got to make the films that he's wanted to. And I think his career has been more interesting for it. I mean, the fact that this is the guy who directed this and Dressed to Kill and Sisters went on to direct the Mission Impossible film blows Mm -hmm. my mind every single time. But anybody wanting to delve into some unique cinema... You can't do much better than Brian De Palma. 
sort of my first question that I was going to ask you, Jordan, is like, do you like Brian De Palma? Because he is like a very polarizing director. Like, I personally like hate Scarface. I think that is like the most over, <laughs> like overrated hey, movie. Like, like I, I think I, I, I it's just there's a, there's just something about it. Like, I really don't like like the Untouchables. I is also something where I'm like, I don't think like like it's that great. But then I love like really loved Blowout. Uh, Carrie, the first Mission Impossible, Snake Eyes, I unironically also love, and like uh, Phantom of the Paradise, I think is a really killer movie too. Like he just has such a wide range of things. So, so as like a director, uh, Jordan, how do how do you feel about Brian De Palma? Like, and and you you really enjoy him? Yeah, he is genuinely one of my favorites, and I mean, there's really yeah. so much um, to discuss about him because, and especially I mean, around this film and around him as a as a filmmaker, because he's quite a controversial figure in many ways. Because he's been mm-hmm. called, he's been called a second-rate Hitchcock, um, a sleazeball. Right, right. He's been called that, that he makes <laughs> only films that want to shock and disturb. I mean, he's even been called a, a mis- misogynistic filmmaker, which is a whole mm-hmm. other thing in itself, and maybe a subject worth discussing. Because watching this film, mm-hmm. I mean, twice in the last month, I can't really mm-hmm. argue with the issues regarding female representation in this film and oh, his yeah. other films. But it's it's. The way he the way he tells his story, the, how visually he tells his story, which is fascinating to me, and it's that aspect which I think always gets that comparison to Hitchcock, and mm-hmm. and I, I like it because it's the first thought that is in the director's head is how is the most creative way to show this story or to shoot this scene, and he understands that cinema is is a visual media, not just another way to tell a story. He wants you to. Um, know that he's thought about where he's placing his character and how he's shooting that scene and, and the best mm-hmm. way to do it. And yeah, it, I mean, there's one shot within this film, especially, which adds so many different levels to what you're actually seeing. And I think that, I mean, you've been delving into um, works like sort of influenced by Cassavetes. And I, mm-hmm. I, I, I like Cassavetes. I'm not a huge fan, but for me, with especially his work, that is theatre with a video camera. It, mm. It's mm-hmm. great performances, don't get me wrong, but they're not sitting mm. there thinking, I want to orchestrate a scene. They're catching yeah. it on the fly. They're multi-camera and just capturing the performance where this is every shot, every scene is Very cinematic. Well, well structured. I, I love De Palma. Like, people don't like his signature moves, like the split screen. I mm. love it. I'm such mm. a sucker for the split screen. And De Palma does it. I mean, I like when De Palma does it. I don't like when everyone does it, but De Palma does it like chef's kiss so well. And he even yeah. does it like in camera sometimes, like with like the shot in this movie with the owl. The owl, right? like, yeah. That is essentially a split screen shot, but like the way it's shot, it's it's one take, right? Because the owl like turns his head and all sorts yeah. of stuff. I mean, that, that that that's what you call a split diopter. So they 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 focus on one thing and they put another focus and lend in front of it. And do it all in screen. So yeah. it, it's it's the way yeah. he deals so with cool. information. Um, mm-hmm. Where he's directing and filmmaking is so much. Look at this. Where he's like, well, no, take heed of all the frame. Yeah. Right. And yeah. he does it well. Uh, boom. What were your overall thoughts on Blowout? Um, I had such a fun time watching this. Mm-hmm. I... didn't... At the very beginning, I didn't know how I was going to feel about it. And then as Jordan was kind of saying about like the way that the female character was written, like once she is introduced and like is speaking more, I was like, Oh no, like there's, there's no possible, there's no world where like (laughs) I am going to like this. 
Um, but I, I thought it was great in the end. Um, Mm -hmm. I really do enjoy just like how much, how it's such a like simple, almost silly story. And, (laughs) but like how much has just been put into making it. And it just like makes you, it just really sells it. Like you just are on board the whole time and, and all of the cool camera shots you would think you would get tired of them. Like even that, like the one shot that we were just talking about, I can't remember what it's called. He does that like 10 times. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. But like, For great effect, there's to great effect. Uh, this movie's awesome. This movie is amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't know what to expect. Like I knew that there was like, a, it was sort of influenced by this previous film, like inspired a little bit by, by blow up. And I thought the premise for blow up made so much sense. Like, like what a great idea and then when i realized that it was going to be the same thing but with sound i was like how is that how are they going to make this interesting like again it's a visual medium so we're going to use sound how does that go and the way that he gives john travolta sound as a superpower in a, mm-hmm. in a weird way is like yes. the thing that like gives you the momentum to the movie. And I just think like overall this, what they managed to make exceeds like anything that must've been on the page. Like the, and, unless, unless all of the stylistic flourishes and approaches mm-hmm. were in the script, which I don't know, but some of the, like you get to some of the dialogue and you're like, what are these people talk? Why are they saying those things? But yeah. the whole vibe of the movie is so strong, and yeah, um, and I also am losing my train of thought now. But yes, I think it's really good, and I'm just like really impressed, yeah. and was not expecting it. The the level okay. of control. This film oddly, I think, falls into like our Cassavetti series that we just did, mm-hmm. um, but more so. So I think we kind of got some like hyper. Like, I think Killing of Chinese Bookie was, like, kind of, like, a hyper-realistic view, kind of what Jordan was saying, like, just, like, performances shot on camera. Um, Uncut Gems, I think they do, the Sadfi brothers do a really good job at kind of, like, building this, like, really tense world. And I think thematically this is similar because John Travolta is, like, obsessed with, like, solving this mystery and, like, saving himself and figuring this out. And he, he, like Catcher is saying, is like using sound as a superpower. But the difference in in style and kind of tone is that this movie is so ridiculously over the top. And, and it's just like so dramatic and like overly theatrical, but it's still really co- like comes through and works. So it just becomes this like really fun, like um, spectacle that's, yeah and, yeah. and like the overindulgence and like, how much he like focuses on like the audio portion of it is really what makes it work. Right. Because like, this is like a film geek movie. Absolutely. Right. Like it's, it's a totally love letter to film and like to an unsung role in like the movie making process. Like you could ask, you know, you ask 10 people, I bet you nine of them don't know what like, a, what the word fully, like what a Foley artist does. And especially like how it worked back then. Like, you know, the show that they're cutting the film and like adding all the stuff in, like it's totally his way of saying like, Hey, this like really important thing in movies that like you never think about 
he puts it in like in the most basic form, right? Like 1981 or 1981, right? Yeah, 1981. This is like coming off of like the slashers of the 70s and the horror movies yeah. of the 70s. And he introduces the importance of an audio guy with that shitty like final girl screen. Amazing. Right? Yeah. And like, as, and like, that's such an easy way to show like, hey, look, this is something like this one thing can ruin an entire experience. And I'm going to make a movie like showing like how important this one role is and how like, and like he just put it into something like so, so perfectly. I mean, it's, it's really fun um, when, when directors or, or movies do things like that. That's like, you know, no one's, no one would care about it really. Um, but yeah, it, it just works well. It's not even like um, the scream at the end. It's like the whole sequence starts and I was like, oh, is this, am I going to pair this with Halloween? Like, is this just going right, to be? Right, yeah. It's and I was like, the sound thing. is kind of shitty. I was like, this is kind of <laughs> weird. The sound effects they're choosing, the breathing noise is terrible. I was like, who, who is making the decision on this? I was like, something's fi- something fishy. And then then you cut and you realize they're like dubbing this film, the slasher film, and he's the sound yeah. artist. And you're like, oh my God, that's so, so brilliant. So funny. Uh, so, you know, and the one thing about I find interesting about that scene, because it works on t- two different levels. One, it's, De Palma playing with the audience of what people perception of him is because that's everybody's thought he was just a sleazy um sort of shock director and he, all he cared about was objectifying women and violence and um, but also mm-hmm. the, the interesting thing about that scene is it was the second ever film that used Steadicam so mm. um, Garrett Brown who was the creator of the Steadicam had just finished his work on The Shining so right and the first the first one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and um, Vilmos Zygmunt, who shot this movie, was like, oh, is this new technology? And Garrett Brown came and he was like, oh, do you know what? We can, we can do this. Got out this entirely great sequence. And Brian Japan was like, well, no, this is a parody. We want to make it look like Halloween. So you've got this yeah. great new technology and you're making it look shitty. And there's a great mm. interview on YouTube with Pat Garrett. And he's just like, I wanted to show off my, my new kit. Whereas now it looks terrible. <laughs> That's you can get such better quality from the actual unit itself, but they've just totally squandered it yeah. and made it look like trash. It's perfect, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but let's chat about our guy, John Travolta. So I, I talked a little bit last week about how uh, I think John Travolta is like definitely an underrated actor. Like he, I think people think of obviously, you know, Greece, uh, mm-hmm. which he's fantastic in. I'm not gonna say he's not amazing, but I think he does like, a lot of like rules are like meaty, and I think this is one is one of them. Uh, but <laughs> the first couple times you see him, he's kind of like walking around like he's like Danny Zuko. Little, <laughs> little oh bit. my god! Like, yes, has, right? Did you notice yeah. that? <laughs> um, that one scene with like that awesome scene with like the panning when he's in the in the yeah. room. But there's like certain just like ways he like moves, and I'm like, he looks like he's about to like chasse. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Or, like, just, like, leap over. Like, it's very, like, yeah, the way he, like, moves is is very, like, dancer-like sometimes. Yeah, it, it was yeah, hilarious. So funny. He, he just has, like, this kind of, like, <laughs> swagger about him. You can't help it. Uh, yeah. Jordan, what, what do you think about uh, Travolta and his performance in this movie? I actually think this is Travolta's best performance. Um, mm. But, wow. like you said, he is very much. People think about John Travolta now and think of him as a meme. Because that's what he's turned right. into. He's turned with, with the Scientology, with his mishap at the Oscars. Mm. Um, <laughs> right, right. And yeah, in the 70s and 80s, he was a great, great actor. And mm-hmm. really, and this is the film that 
Quentin Tarantino always says, which made him say, I want him from Vincent Vega in Pulp Fiction. And mm-hmm. wow. I get Travolta in this movie. It's, it's the guilt that he manages to get across. And mm-hmm. he's a bit, it's, it's, it's his obsession, but also the fact that, and I always feel bad about this, is like he saves Nancy Allen's life, but then mm-hmm. every single decision he makes in regards to her just moves her one edge closer to death. Mm-hmm. And it yeah. p- 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 puts her in danger, puts her in danger. And then when we do get to that final scene, and that, that mm-hmm. final Ooh. scene is his best performance. The way he delivers that mm-hmm. line, and I won't spoil that, it is soul-crushing. It's like the guilt that turns into his paranoia, mm. like in instant, like in that one sequence where he's like, you know, all the tapes are erased and all that sort of stuff where he's just like, this is like too, too much. Like I can't do this. The way he's like able to shift on that, I thought, I thought is so well done. Um, you know, and it's just cool to see how he's able to manage that character change, like kind of immediately, you know, it, it's, it's great. It's amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I like it. The, they sort of give, I'm taking back everything I said about it, elevating script because now i'm like thinking about it i'm like no there's actually a lot of genius in there too and like part of the genius (laughs) in it is like his character setup like the idea that he would have worked for the cops he was part of corruption schemes like he has experienced Mm. what corruption can be and so he knows Mm -hmm. where where it can come from and that can come from anywhere and that gives you because he's experienced it firsthand it's he becomes much more susceptible to to seeing that corruption and and in his case, like knowing that it's really there. And I love that they can sort of, that they give him that kind of backstory to like give this character the sort of energy and determination that he has. Like it's not, he's not just a sound guy. Like if he was just a sound guy, he wouldn't care that much, mm-hmm. but he's got this sort of like character history that inspires him to want to like do good. And that's like mm-hmm. told mm-hmm. through the story, not just like some sort of, exposition or he's just like gosh corruption it's everywhere i need to you know like i can't like you get it in the story and i love i love that it's great it's great foreshadowing but it's great foreshadowing in a way because it misdirects you because then you believe it's going to be a redemption story and it very much isn't a redemption story and it's even Mm. the foreshadowing of um, pino danagio's score is uh, there's a theme Mm, yes the theme that plays throughout it, it they play it as if it's a love theme, but mm. then you recontextualize it when it's playing in the final scene, and it's it's so full of dread and so full of sadness that there was only ever going to be one outcome when you look back at it. I know both Jordan and Boom, you both already brought up sort of like the portrayal of like um, uh, Nancy Allen's character. So mm. uh, Boom, why don't you why don't you talk about that? Like I thought uh, her character was like interesting, but obviously definitely problematic yeah. and like. Like Jordan said, like in the context of uh, uh, De Palma, like, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. um, that movie Fa- Phantom of the Paradise is like mm-hmm. particularly a pretty brutal movie, yeah. like not on the surface, but it's really rough on like the portrayal of its like female, like protagonist, yeah. quote unquote. She's kind of the second character. But um, yeah, what what are you what are your thoughts on uh, Nancy well, Allen's character? I understand like the way he's using like the character to kind of like push push the story because she's like a key player in all of it. And like some of the decisions she's, she makes, if she weren't to do that, then things would kind of like fall apart and be a little bit harder. However, I just think the, like 
the fact that she's just so mind numbingly stupid is like (laughs) was a bad choice because a like it wasn't charming or enjoyable in any way like I felt very annoyed by her character the whole time because she's just like oh gee like well I better not (laughs) um but (laughs) because there were certain scenes where like he's kind of like going over like the conspiracy and he's like saying how he's feeling out loud and she's just there being like woe is me and Mm -hmm. I think it would actually have been a smarter choice to have her be like a clever character that like had like strength of mind and could kind of like Mm. um kind of like match him a little bit and contribute to the process as well and and contribute Mm -hmm. to the process I think that would have like intensified the narrative and made it a lot like slap a lot harder because mm-hmm. it literally just felt like he was talking to a brick wall and and like carrying everything so i like not only is it like mis- misogynistic and offensive it was just like a bad choice right <laughs> well i think part of it has to do and whether or not it's like they could have made a better choice that's i think you're right in that like it could have added some an interesting dynamic I think the idea is you're supposed to feel like he is alone in this, no matter what, like he, it's like, she is, she is like in one way or another part of the conspiracy and like, you know, and so in that way, it's like, he has to feel like the only one that's competent because it's gotta be him versus everyone. But I agree. She, she understands enough throughout the movie to sort of like heed his warnings and she believes him enough to like help him. So it's like give her more agency and capability in in that thing yeah. to like helped create a more interesting story. But I think that's probably just why she doesn't feel as as deep as she could be. Yeah, I think it's her naivety as well, which then leads into the guilt at the end because she is so corpsable. Right. So and John Travolta kind of does it's like if John Travolta let her get on that train at the beginning, none of this would have happened. He, he literally signed her death warrant and then put. Put her in even more dangerous positions, and the fact is, because mm. she is so naive, it leads towards that. But it's, it's with De Palma. It's, it is questionable. But it's like most of his films, especially of this era, do boil down to violence against women. I mean, mm. and if you look yeah. at the women within this, um, there is what yeah. there is. There is three um, female mm-hmm. um, roles. There's the girls in the college at the beginning, which right. don't show. There's Nancy Allen. And the only other one is mm-hmm. a prostitute. So it's it's like, what is De Palma even seeing yeah, here? Yeah, like the scale of representation yeah. is just bad. And I think like, I, I agree, like she, no matter what, would have to be a naive character. But then I think back to like um, Julie or Julia in Uncut Gems, who is like incredibly mm-hmm. naive and like incredibly naive and like goes on a bit of a rocky journey. But still feels like a presence and like yeah. mm. a, a strong kind of strong woman with agency. So I, I, I think like walking that line is possible. I, I know it was the eighties, but <laughs> listen, the main villain of this movies, like one of his means of closing this down is creating mm-hmm. a bunch of like a fake serial killer yes. in order to make her death. Like, sort of go under the radar. It's like, that's the plot. Oh, yeah. plot. That's the thing. You're like, of all the ways I could do this, that serial killer. Yeah. It's like, that's such yeah. a crazy 
that is such a crazy <laughs> like plot point. Like Emma texted me. She's yeah. like, uh, why did that girl get killed again? Like in, in the train station. And my, my, res- my response was the construction hat guy from the phone booth had killed two prior people that yeah. looked like the woman who was saved in the car accident in order to create a serial killer in the media to cover up her murder, uh, her eventual murder. I was like, whoa, well, that's a crazy thing that I just wrote. That is absolutely yeah. true. It's like that you could have treated her with a little bit more respect and had like less of like a like female violent situation going on. Like this, right. So, and yeah. and th- this this assassin slash like really over the top character played by John, John Lithgow. Lithgow. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That that phone conversation he has when he's like on the phone with like the rival like politician. He's like, yeah, he's like. I always said there's a 25% chance it's going to work. Worst, like, like worst, worst, that worst. conversation, I'm like, what are you doing? Like, just keep him as like this silent, like killer type, because that, that dialogue there was so unbelievable. <laughs> but for me, I think the, the, the first killing where like he follows the girl from the mall, I think that was like an effective yes. thing. I think that was cool. Uh, but then like the, the train station one, that's like a 10 minute scene that they could have done in like 30 seconds to show he did it again. <laughs> but they made like a pretty like drawn out sequence of like- It borderlines on slapstick comedy. <laughs> yeah. Like it's yeah. like- I was like, that's oh so, ins- so insane. <laughs> but John Lithgow is just so funny when he like just throws the tire like into the tire shop. Like no one seems <laughs> yeah. to notice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, Jordan, what do you think of, of Lithgow? And he was like just the third sort of major character in the movie. I like Lithgow. He is the only person who can look like a serial killer and a very loving father without changing <laughs> anything. He's worked with uh, Department before and after this with Rose and Kane. And yeah, he, he just has this manic energy towards him. And the, that whole subplot of creating a serial killer, like that first killing when the fall, when the following through the mall, the way it un- unfolds, it's like, okay, as he killed the wrong girl. Uh, yeah, yeah, mm. which, I, which I like because he pulls out the picture, right? Yeah. yeah, and then it turns out that he's just concocting this incredible sort of story. And yeah, he, yeah. He's, he's a very fun performance. He's he's over the top, but that's what I like about De Palma. Talking about Snake Eyes, like, have, yeah. you, either, have you two seen Snake Eyes, I've, uh, Boomcatcher? I've desperately wanted no. to watch that movie since, <sighs> it, and I've never right. seen it's, it. It's incredible. Yeah. Like, it is like, the, the, the first scene is like a 10-minute, on 10 minute one sh- one shot one take but it's split screen the whole time Amazing. so you have basically two oneers going at the exact same time like that that basically mm. like unfolds the plot i don't know it, cool. it's it's a great movie but like speaking of over the top i mean he just like and i mean al pacino and scarface like are you kidding me like the most yes, over the yeah. top performance in the history of film but yeah jordan what well, you just said snake eyes you've got like a 10 minute wonder of nicholas cage being full on nicholas cage is wonderful yeah. <laughs> Uh, before we go to their categories, Jordan, what else did you want to talk about? Uh, blowout. I mean, this was, this was your pick, so what were things you wanted to discuss? For me, it's just uh, what I liked about picking this film, because I must say the actual task of picking a film for this is daunting. You sit there in front mm-hmm. of the Criterion Collection, and it's, it's crazy, yeah. I, I had two sort of things in my mind. I was like, do I go down? Because my main interest is international sort of and classic cinema, and I was playing mm-hmm. with the films of Edward Yang, but... Most of them run like four hours long, and I didn't really want to put you in through a four-hour, a four-hour-long movie about Taiwanese politics. I ma- I make them do it all the time, Jordan. Please yeah, yeah. feel free. Yeah. <laughs> and I I just thought this might be an interesting um, pick regarding you might not have seen it, which which obviously you guys hadn't. And it's just it's yeah. it's very pulpy. It's very of the time. It's yeah. not perfect, and it has issues, but 
I think those issues can can be discussed and have rhetoric behind them. For mm-hmm. me, what and again going on a tangent here, and uh, what I quite like about and what I love to hear on podcasts, especially the film podcasts, is when somebody and you you said it last week, Boom's like I never even heard about this movie, and. That is the best feeling in the world of yeah. introducing somebody to something new. Um, and yeah, it's for me, it's one of my favorite films. It's, I mean, I actually rewatched Sisters, which is the only other Brian De Palma film this week in, in practice for this. And I also rewatched Blow Up, which, if you haven't nice. seen either of those, mm. definitely mm-hmm. give them a try. But yeah, other than this film, it's, it's all technique. If you like films that, can mm-hmm. be very well orchestrated and he has this wonderful hitchcockian style and this cinematic grammar where yeah every scene every shot is so well thought out is so storyboarded and it just it oozes cool and it oozes class even though Absolutely. it is sleazy as all hell no i love a good sleazy movie that slaps and and this was definitely that so thank you for choosing it you know the palma is just his style of filmmaking is like so specific and it, oh, they always like the over the topness, like you said, and like sort of the grit behind like a lot of his movies just make everything so fun to, to watch. And it, it feels like very of like the time for, for better or for worse, mm-hmm. I think depending on where you fall and like how much you like De Palma movies, like his movies do seem to capture like the time of the style of filmmaking very well. Um, because you know, you were talking about his contemporaries like you know Spielberg or, or Lucas or, or Coppola um obviously they all have uh like you were saying are much more famous in terms of like popular mm. culture film world but I actually don't think Spielberg uh and Coppola and, and Lucas and the, the the class of directors have as much like style as De Palma does behind the camera yeah. like no. if we're talking pure like technical like uh, 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 ability, I think De Palma is like miles yeah. ab- ab- beyond those three. Those three just happen to be like, you know, they they have everything else. They have the writing and they can do like all these sorts of things. And the movies they want to make happen to, maybe not Coppola, but the movies Spielberg and Lucas wanted to make are very much like pop culture forward. And like, these are the kind of movies that people want to see. And like De Palma Absolutely. makes movies that he wants to make, but there's just such a cool, you know, style and finesse behind yeah. everything he does. It, 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 I love, sorry, did that the ending. And also I love the circular nature of the, the, the entire film as well. Right. And how it, just, yeah. it all comes down to that scream. Yeah. 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 I know it's a nice little like touch at the end there. Yeah. Uh, boom. You were going to say something. Yeah. I just have one question. And in the scene where he's like talking to the rival politician and they're both in phone booths, how does, how, how does that work? <laughs> what? He called out, right? right. Okay. Lithgow called out, right? Do, I guess. Do you, do you not have that in Canada? You have phone no. booths, right? You had phone booths? We yeah. had phone booths, had... yeah. Right, right. Yeah, you can dial out. At least in the States, you mm. can dial out from a phone booth. Like you have to be able to dial out. So you can, can call, boom, boom, you can call boom. another phone booth. Phone, bo- phone booths are like, have a phone number. They're printed, <laughs> they're printed on the outside. Of <laughs> okay. That was like blowing my mind. And I was like, I was like, why would they put this in this movie? Like, it's so clearly you can't call a phone booth. Yes. Um, but I'm just too young and cool to know That's that you can. So. Yes. yes. Yeah. Sorry, not sorry. No. <laughs> phone, booths, phone booths have phone yeah. numbers. Like, uh, okay. there's like an 800 number to attached to every phone into, booth. Yeah. Okay. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll up my star rating now because I was like, 
Yeah, <laughs> that was a huge plot hole. You just like were not, you were not going to let that go. The, all the ridiculous shit in this movie, I was like, wow, <laughs> the audacity. That's incredible. Oh, man. Oh, my God. Yeah, so let's go to our categories. I mean, uh, you know, these categories are fun because when movies, we always complain about how there's things we wish we could talk about, but these categories just give us that much more time to talk about them. Yes. Uh, so let's go first with our criterion moment. So Jordan, what is the moment, sequence, or scene in the film that you think is the reason why this uh, film was included in the Criterion Collection? For me, it goes down with two shots, but I'm only going to choose one of them. Um, mm -hmm. There is a shot at the end of the movie where it is a shot which is shooting up at John Travolta and Nancy Allen, and oh, there is the fireworks yeah. going off in the... Mm -hmm. That shot is absolutely incredible. It looks yeah. unbelievable, and yeah... I say, first time I watched this was on a scratchy copy, but seeing this now in full HD, it, it, it's yeah. it's pristine yeah. and it's so beautiful, but drenched in sadness. It's lovely. I got chills when that happened. Yeah. That whole sequence was incredible because yeah. like, yeah. I mean, I guess she doesn't die if it's not Brian De Palma, mm. but the way that scene goes down as like, you know, he's running up there and you're not quite sure if he's going to make it. And, you know, I don't know. It's just like, it's it's so beautifully done that that whole thing. Um, yeah. I'm not sure if he time wise if he would have made that, but <laughs> yeah. you know it works. It, I was gonna you know, say it, that's the only part of the film where I was like, "Whoa, what's going on?" He's like passed out in an yeah. ambu ambulance, but he just happens to be right nearby. And I was just like, "Okay, I I will get everything else in the film. I'll give you this movie." <laughs> yeah, catcher. What about you? What's your Part of me kind of wants to just do every time he does one of those like foreground background listening shots like that yeah. is crazy. It's so yeah. well executed. Like we kind of talked about it at the top, but I just want to use this as a platform to talk about it. It's incredible. Like it, it, it's so smart in the way you automatically understand this feeling of listening and they do it with characters, but then they do it with the tape recorder as well at one point where there's just like a tape recorder in that same part of the foreground where it's like even the tape recorder is listening like. John Lithgow is in the front as he's like eavesdropping on the Navy man and uh, sex worker. And you're just like, this is so smart. But the criterion moment is <laughs> the open, the uh, scene where he's editing the, yes. uh, his audio strips. And yeah. at the same time, it's the news report and you get all of the context about the, uh, the presidential yeah. race and the, the, the governor, right? No, Senator, and yeah. and he's playing like and he you're seeing his process and you're seeing the gut and everything is just set up so beautifully. Uh, like everything you're gonna see in this movie is like explained to you in such a like interesting and stylistic way. It's perfect. It's so good. Yeah. My my nitpick with that scene is that when it shows the polls, it has like the senator's name. And then it just says president. president. Yes, I saw <laughs> yeah. that. I saw that as well. I saw that as well. I was like, he doesn't have a, a name. I get it's just assumed whatever president is yeah, live. I was at the like, time. yeah, whatever. Yeah, I get maybe that makes it more like uh 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 like it can last a little right. bit longer if they don't name like the real president at the time or something. Yeah, I, I thought that was funny. Yeah, I agree. Uh, boom. What about you? My criterion moment is when he gets like the photos from the accident and then strings them together and matches them to the audio. And he's mm -hmm. just like all like obsessive with it. Like, but it's just like really cool. And you kind of get some good insight into the character and like how far he's going to go to like get this done. 
Yeah. And another like really great like love letter moment, mm-hmm. right? To Palma. Yeah. Like, he just puts in a five minute like, hey, this is how animation works yeah. in case you didn't know. Right. Right. Yeah. Like, he, like they could have just done the flip book, but then they even show him like taking the photos and like the glass plate and like, like it was but awesome. But it's, it, it, it's, it's not only animation, it's just how film works. Cause people always right. say like yeah. film is not moving images. It's still images in a sequence and it's just sort of perfectly mm. done. Yeah. That, that whole process is my catnip. I love it. Yeah. It's amazing. My criterion, I was going to choose one scene, but kind of everyone's kind of dancing around that. Um, let me think. I don't want to do it now. Uh, no, I'll do it. I, I like the scene, and I think Boom touched on it like a little bit earlier. Is when, um, uh, where uh, Travolta he is in like the sound studio, like testing all his tapes, and the camera yeah. just keeps on like rotating around the room, and like every oh, yeah. like, the way the sound transfers, and like every time you see Travolta, he's just like getting more and more stressed out, like realizing like what's going on. I mean, it's just like. It's such like a, I mean, what we're talking about, like like the technical uh, abilities Mm -hmm. of De Palma, it's all right there. But then Travolta is just like amazing in that scene. He's not talking, but he, you can see everything he's doing and like how he's like, whether he's being like really delicate with like the audio reels or like how he's like sort of pacing around the whole office and all that sort of stuff. I think that whole thing was just like so, so cool to watch. And I, you know, it's almost like a montage happening mm, in like yeah. a very like minuscule amount of time all in one take. So I don't know. I, I love stuff like that. And, and that's the one thing I was going to say. I actually chose the fireworks. This is my other one because it, it t- does so much things. Cause like that shot not only amps the paranoia because you are just going round and round and it's making mm. you dizzy, but it's like us having a POV of being on that rack of being tape going round and round. Yeah. It, it's, it works so many different levels. This is why. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's like it's like dizzy. I mean, speaking of like, you know, you you were saying how people say he's kind of like Hitchcock light. Yeah. Like that whole sequence kind of reminds me of like Vertigo. Yeah. You know, I mean, no pun intended, but Vertigo, there's a lot of spinning shots and sort of like confusion, like being told through the lens, right? And and uh that scene, like you said, perfect like this works so well. Um, nice, good picks, everyone. So let's let's go to our uh, sad light picks, which is a movie, another piece of content that you think uh works well with uh with with the film. So Jordan. What is yours? I, w- I was going to go with Blow Up, but I thought that would be a cop-out. So I went for a bit of a change <laughs> one. Um, okay. And that is, it's, 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 it's a filmmaker who has had a very similar career to Brian De Palma. That was, he had a lot of genre um, hits in mm. the 70s and 80s. And his career has really tailored off in, in, in the modern world. Um, and mm-hmm. again, he's a Hitchcock note. Um, this, this filmmaker and has had also had the the issues regarding misogyny pressed against him, and that is the early work, especially the giallo work of Dario Argento. Mm. Mm. Love him, yes, big time. Yeah, uh, do you have a specific movie of uh, Argento? You think I was going to pick the bird with the crystal plumage. Argento did Suspiria. He did yeah, original Suspiria. Okay, yeah. I need yeah. to I mean, watch that still. Yeah, all his stuff is. I mean. <laughs> Like, Giallo is just so highly influential in, like, American. I mean, there is no American slasher without, like, Giallo no. movies. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's and, and De Palma seems like, obviously, you know, with the opening Halloween sequence. Yeah, there's a lot of vibes there. Nice. Good, good pick. Nice. Big, big fan of that. Um, I think our friends over at Bat and Spider have done a couple. I think they did Crystal Plumage yeah, they did. specifically, yeah. actually. They did, yeah. right? Yeah. A lot of good Giallo stuff over there. Oh, cool. Uh, great. Um, yeah. Uh, boom. What's yours? So I thought I was being clever by picking this, but then like I went, I went on Letterboxd and saw that like 
Mikey P shouted it out and then like Jordan brought it up in uh, his essay. But I picked the Francis Ford Coppola's The Conversation. Um, It's a great (laughs) pick. Yeah, Yeah, for obvious reasons. Um, Like there's things that I it it came out a few years before uh, Blowout. Mm -hmm. There's things that like look like they were literally just like plucked from that film for for this film. Um, although I think they are very different and end up being very different in style, but it's a similar story. Um, and you have Gene Hackman giving like a brilliant performance. Mm-hmm. So I think it's definitely worth um, checking out. Catcher. What's I'm torn, but um, I am going to go with Zodiac. <laughs> there it is. Yes. Finally. I, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. The proceduralness of this, the obsession, the main character, well, in the case of like one of the two main characters in Zodiac is Jake Gyllenhaal's character whose obsession with puzzles and all that stuff is the the key that allows him to sort of d- achieve what he needs to achieve by the end of the movie in terms of just like figuring this out and solving this problem. And the paranoia and the stress and like the... the turns down alleys that you think are leading somewhere that end up nowhere, but are there to give you the tension and stress and like just to build the whole mood. Um, and I'll, yeah, I think it, I didn't want to, cause it just, I was just like, ah, yeah, but it is, it just feels so good that way. Yeah. And, and you have two masters who are great at sort of finding the line of like pulpiness and there, you know, there's some humor in there and the skill obviously David Fincher is a genius. He's an amazing filmmaker that doesn't make always flashy moves, but makes incredibly smart moves that really keep you invested in what's happening. Um, Mm -hmm. Like total mastery of the form. So, yeah. Nice. Nice. Or Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Oh, that's so much. (laughs) Oh, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I forgot about that movie. It's in the film world Uh, and there's mystery. And Robert Downey Jr. is in it. RDJ. Uh, my pick is, uh, and, and I think Jordan also touched on this a little bit earlier, uh, is, is, uh, the movie JFK by Oliver Stone. Nice. Oh. Um, I was like, I don't know how much like the JFK assassination means to the three of you all like not being Americans, but it's like a pretty like gigantic deal here in the United States. And when I was a kid, I was like obsessed mm. with like the JFK assassination. I was like really into like the conspiracy theory angle behind it. And it's probably because like I watched JFK, which is like a massive conspiracy conspiracy theory like movie. Um, uh, well, it might not be a conspiracy theory, I guess, technically, <laughs> depending on who you ask. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> uh, but it's really like a great movie. And I think, you know, like Jordan said, a big crux of the film. And they even say it in yeah. uh, the movie, like this is going to be as big as the Sapruder film, which for those who don't know, the Sapruder film is like the only footage we have of JFK getting assassinated in, in Daly Plaza in Texas. And, um, you know, they allude to it in a whole bunch of ways in the film and just the way, like, you know, it's a political assassination. And, and uh, you know, the guy was like, you know, JFK, similarly, when he was president, he was like this young, uh, uh, this young, like, liberal uh, 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 president who, like, people loved and, like, every, you know, people, he was like the people's guy. You know, he's really handsome, you know, you know, beautiful wife. This whole thing about him, like, was all there. I mean, he got assassinated. It was, like, a huge moment in American history. Um, and it's cool how De Palma is able to take 
sort of that intensity and impact were like, uh, not to keep tangenting, but like, you know, there's these rumors that JFK had a relationship with Marilyn Monroe and like he was not loyal to uh, Jackie Kennedy or Jackie O. Um, and they even do that just for a little bit, how he was actually in the car with uh, Nancy Allen. Mm-hmm. is like, you know, we can't have this image of him like being like faltered. You know, he's supposed to be like, the, you know, what good does that do for the country? All that sort of stuff. So uh, I, I, I haven't watched it in a long time. I'm not quite sure it holds up how it does. It, does. Like, it is like a three hour movie. It does. It does. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's, okay, it's, it does, yeah. it's the quickest over three hour movie ever. It, it, right. The, you could spend, it, may, it feels like a 90 minute movie, but it's like, what, mm. 200 minutes long? Yeah. Uh, wow. One, yeah, 200 minutes long. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Nice. It's, Jordan, nice. I have a side question. Ooh. And feel Ian, feel free to cut this, or Jordan, if you can't answer, that's fine. But I was wondering if this is your film, then like, what's her movie for? Oh, oh her blowout? gosh! Ooh. Okay. Oh, yeah. that's a good one. Okay, okay. What, what would, what would be the? Feel free to ask her if she's topic. home, if that helps as well. But or or not at all, if you don't want to put words in her mouth, that's also fine. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, she's she's actually downstairs. Um, Oh, what, what, I'm trying to think what the theme would be. Um, oh gosh, I actually have no idea. It would be interesting to. <laughs> I to thought see. about it like right before, and I was like, he probably should have yeah. enough time to ask her. But I just figured I'd take a shot right? in the dark and see how it went. <laughs> ask her and then like write into us next. Yeah, week. yeah I will do. Yeah, so, definitely. so we can know. Yeah, because I'm very curious now. Yeah, it's a great, <laughs> a great question. Uh, yeah. Did Did you watch it with her? Uh, has she seen? She hasn't seen, seen Blowout, no, no. I mean, because I, I, I've watched it twice in the last month. I watched it once when I was trying to think of what to pick, and then I watched it again over the weekend. Mm. Um, but I have a thing where I watch, I, I, I don't sleep, so I get up at 5 a.m. and I'll watch two films before my wife even gets out of bed. <laughs> no. Right. That sounds like a dream. Not, nothing like a little uh, Brian De Palma at 5 a.m. in the exactly. morning. Exactly. Oh, my go, goodness. Go, goes well with a coffee. Well, thank you, Jordan. This that was blowout. Uh, yeah, fantastic was movie. Mm-hmm. Thank you thank for you finally so getting me to watch it. It was great. Uh, but before we go on to what I'm going to pick for our next like month mm-hmm. of, of movies and exploration, let's go into a little bit of social media tea with Boom. Saw yes. some action on the IG. Yeah, I threw. So we're recording on a Sunday, and it kind of threw me off because usually I'll, I'll post things like Sunday, Monday. Um, mm-hmm. A, I wanted to shout out that we now have 200 followers on Instagram, which is pretty exciting. Um, Yeah, it's very exciting. Yeah. And actually, just this afternoon, I got a message from someone named Paul um, Mm -hmm. in our DMs that was talking about Blowout and said, one of my favorite film scores ever, Mm -hmm. Pino DiNaggio, I hope I said that right, kills it. One of the few movies I watched the whole whole credits to hear every final note. Mm. Um, so a lot of people have been excited about this. And then I also asked um, what are people's favorite John Travolta movies? Because <laughs> there's so many. And I kind of just wanted to see because he's covered like all genres, right? Yeah. Um, so Dale from Bat and Spider says Carrie, obviously. Mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. My sister, Janika, says Face Off, best yeah. movie ever made. <laughs> Perfect 10, <laughs> 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10 movie. That movie, I will die on any hill defending <laughs> that movie. 
You yes. you try and find me any two actors to do that exact thing, and it will never it will never work. <laughs> it is just too perfect of the time, just unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Great pick. Um. Yeah. Great pick, Janika. Uh, Haitian based on Instagram, who also has a really cool podcast called Black on Track, says Ooh. hairspray. Nice. Um, yeah. We've got two uh, or quite a few for Saturday Night Fever. Um, mm-hmm. Our fourth host, Neil, says Broken Arrow. Mm. Sean says Pulp, Pulp Fiction. Mm-hmm. Uh, Catcher got a last minute one in there saying Wild Hogs. Do you do you <laughs> do you stand by that? Is no, that no, that's a, a that's a ins- that's an inside joke for that, whoever hears it. It's will just know. for the joke. That's right. <laughs> yes. And H says, I'm hopelessly devoted to Greece. Mm, um, nice pun. Good job, H. Yeah. And then someone over at Film Hags, I think it's Sophie, said, look who's talking. Yes. <laughs> what a fun uh, one. <laughs> uh, Jordan, what's your favorite uh, uh, Travolta movie? Do you know what? I mean, movie... I- one of my favorite performances again, blow up, but Get Shorty. I think he is incredible yeah. in Get Shorty, and, yeah. and Gene Hackman <laughs> in that movie as well. Yeah, that underrated movie. Yeah, Get Shorty. That's yeah. I think it's it's just it suffers from being too close to Tarantino and like really, you know, and having Travolta in yeah. it just suffers from that. But I think it's that movie is really really good. Mm-hmm. Nice. Uh, my pick and our next month of exploration. I had been dancing around a couple, and oh, shoot, I'm still like not even sure. I'm I'm like, like between two. It's like extra pressure it's, now. I know because you we have a month like of, of things to go in there. Can I give you? Can I give you both my two options, and you tell me which ones you want to do, or you just okay. want me to? Why don't you just maybe flip a coin? You flip a coin. Say or or say them and get Jordan to pick one. Ooh. Okay. Can we put that much pressure on Jordan? Yeah, yeah Jordan. We'll are you up for that? High responsibility. Okay, Jordan, you're okay. So you're you're picking. You're, this you're, is a month am, of my am, life we're talking about, Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I'm very sorry, but this is 100 percent going on you now because I'm copping out, and we have you here, so we're gonna use this it. Okay, so I'm having two choices. We're either gonna do our first animated oh. film, which is gonna be Akira, the uh, Japanese oh, okay. anime classic. Is it in the collection? Uh, it is in the collection. It, it was yeah. it was only released on Laserdisc, and they have never re-released Amazing. it. Amazing. But it is technically in the no, collection. Yes. So Akira, or I was thinking of doing our first Wes Anderson and going the Grand Budapest Hotel. I know. Oh, See, no. yeah. Look at his poor I know. face. I'm, I'm so, so sorry. I really am sorry. If I had hair, I'll be pulling it out right now. Uh, <laughs> 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 I... Uh, I am a, it's a, a huge Wes Anderson fan. I am an absolutely yeah. huge Wes Anderson fan, but yes, Akira yes, Jordan. Yes, Jordan. is an experience. Yes, Jordan. Okay, okay. Yes, so Jordan. I choose Akira. Yes, Jordan. Okay, we're doing it. Okay. All right. All right. First animated, All right. let's go. I'm First animated so happy movie. About okay. That, honestly, yeah. I've been ma- meaning so, to like figure out how we could do an animated one, and it's like there's not that many in the collection. I yeah. had no, so this is perfect. Yeah. Yeah, so this is a 1990s anime or 1988s anime like game changing film uh, directed by Katsushiro Otomo, which is Akira, uh, our first animated movie. Very, very excited. Yeah. Have you seen Akira, uh, Boom? 
No, but it's been on my watch list forever. Yeah. So now yeah. I, I haven't seen it in a while, and it is it is something else. <laughs> it's gonna All be right. it, it'll be a fun conversation. It'll be good. Uh, well, Jordan, thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Uh, this was this was a ton of fun. This was a blast. No, thank you very much for having me. I'm a huge fan of the podcast. You guys do great work, as does everybody in in the tape deck family. So no, thank you very much for having me. It's been so yeah. much fun. Yeah, this has been a blast. Uh, so uh, your podcast, his, his film, her movie, out Mondays. Do you have like a lineup of the next couple episodes that you that you want to tease out? We've got the courtroom drama. So we have chosen. Um, Lauren has chosen the trial of the Chicago Seven. And my choice mm. was Sydney Lumet's The Verdict, the Paul Newman mm. movie. So two nice. very right. different courtroom dramas. Have you um have you seen Mangrove yet, Jordan? I uh, have. I love I mean, I've only seen the first two of the small acts, and I'm a bit more of a yeah. lover's rock fan than Mangrove, but oh, Mang- Mang- Mango mm-hmm. uh, Mangrove is incredible. Again, there is a shot yeah. within that um when they are given the verdicts, which is just unbelievable just you want to talk about performances wonderful yeah absolutely uh well yeah i think we need to get lauren on the podcast at some point soon and i think maybe just both of you at the same time this that seems like you can give that should be the way to go to get all of us on at one time we could do like a his film her movie like double synonauts feature or something yeah or or it could be like the synonauts movie and then the his film her movie movie oh. right? so like we'll select movies for each yes. other to watch in a theme and then we can oh, do that you are, that sounds I like something that. we should do in the yes. future okay yeah. well, all right we'll figure that out that'll, that'll be fun <laughs> that'll be good well yeah jordan again thank you yeah, so much you we got so akira much. coming next week boom and catcher uh we will talk soon bye yes bye see you next week guys